time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. What has all these rushing the church doors? Church like you've never seen before. Thousands of young people now develops into an extremely popular Christian worship experience. For hundreds, even thousands of people have grown from 1,400 to about 5,000 in five months' time. It continues to grow. 90% after 18 will not return to church. We're breaking that statistic, man. We got them coming by the thousands. Four to five thousand. It started out with just a handful of folks in a basement. Now, thousands attend the service. Matt's basement went from this to this. It's outgrown Matt's house, a series of other churches, and it's packed by the thousands. We're trying to show them, man, that God's real. He's alive. And he can do things through them. And we do it in a radical way. This is not your typical worship experience. The hottest party in town. With a powerful message. Really unbelievable. Something you have to see to believe. But now consider the largest youth movement in the nation. and say, you're just beautiful. Just say it, you're beautiful. Some guy's been wanting to say that all conference, all along. Finally got your chance. I want to say this on behalf of everybody here, David Perkins. Yeah, a lot of people don't believe in this type of stuff, but I do. The Bible says give honor where it's due. Now, a minute ago, David passed by this little office I was praying in, and he was on the way to pray down in his little office, and I was asking him, and he's like, I just want to pray for youth pastors and youth leaders and some guy in particular, and he was on the way praying. I was like, man, you've been doing this for like three or four days. Like, like chill out, man. Drink a Coke or something. David, I want you to know, on behalf of everybody here, but man, really nationally and internationally, you are known, and I know you already know this, but you are known for being a history maker for being a history maker. And I want everybody to give it up for, for David and his staff and his team for doing all that they've done. Come on, you can do better than that. The Bible says give honor where honor is due. We honor you. David been on his hands and knees praying for you guys all weekend. Now, if you're a youth pastor, a youth leader, a youth worker, man, if you're a grandma, you're 99 or 102, pushing 103, and you made it here on a walker somehow, and you've been carrying the cross, and you've been praying for babies, would you please stand up? If you're a youth pastor, youth worker, youth leader, youth mom, youth dad, give them a round of applause. Give them a round of applause. Stay standing. No, no, no. Stay standing. See, it's hard for you guys. It's hard. Some of y'all like, man, I, I know humility, humility. Yeah, humility's good. But you guys are heroes, man. You decided to do this, and God loves to honor you for doing this. And so we're going to give you one more clap of praise for all that you do. Come on, give them a hand round. Give them some love. 
missionaries, everybody here gather together. You may be seated. Thank you. You're beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, David said a minute ago, it was my birthday yesterday, and I ain't going to lie. I'm going to be a little selfish for a second. I got here late last night, and I had to spend McDonald's. I had to spend my birthday at McDonald's. Somebody say, oh. So I'm still kind of wanting to celebrate. How many of y'all would like to get there with me? If you're one, where's the ladies at? Where's all the ladies at in this place? Stand up. Stand up and let everybody see. Come on, stand up. God didn't make you for no reason. God didn't make you for no reason. He made you beautiful. Stand up. Ladies, you know I love to do this. The Bible says in Psalms 139 that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. It didn't just say you're fearfully. Like it said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Ladies, I need some attitude. See, y'all don't understand the attitude. I grew up in an all-black school. I had girls look at me. I'd be like, hey, what's up? Be, psh, psh. Oh, no, you didn't. They hit me with a B-box. Oh, no, you didn't. Girls, put your hands in the air and wave them like you don't care and say, I am. Come on, say, I am. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Say it with some attitude. Say, I am. Fearfully and wonderfully made. One more time, I am so fine. Yes, you are. Stay standing. Where's all the fellas at? I didn't say where's all the boys. I said where's all the fellas at? Oh, look at that one going like, hi, hi. Hold on, stay. Fellas, stand up in this place if you're a man. If you are a man from the ages 1 to 92, ages 1 to 99, stand up in this place. Put your fist in the air like a warrior of God. Genesis 1:27 says that we are created in the image of Almighty God. Say, I am a creation of Almighty God. Come on, say it like a warrior. Say, I am a creation of Almighty God. Now, I want everybody to look at everybody and say, I'm going to warn you. Prayer is powerful. No, come on, say, I'm going to warn you now. Prayer is powerful. And I got to do this, though, because I didn't get to have a birthday party in Birmingham last night, and I had people that were going to do, like, a cookie cake, and I wanted to celebrate with some people. So would you look around and give, like, three or four people a high five, and let's just celebrate. in the 80s that one song you have to do like that goofy dance. How many of y'all remember that one song? Here we go. You remember that? Hold on. That, my man in the orange shirt, look at him right there. He was jumping, boy. He was... My man was about to lose his cool up in here. How many of y'all remember the 90s, though? How many of y'all remember, like, if you're going to have a part, like, in the 90s, it didn't matter if you were black, white, red. I, there were Indians, man. There were Indians talking about hip-hop. Hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, You better get a big. Hey, oh, hey, oh, shoulders. Hey, oh, hey, oh, hey. Now, y'all ain't 
morning going to believe this. Y'all remember that one song? I can't sing, so you got to sing this with me. Y'all remember that one song that came on, and this girl used to say, What's love got to do? Got to. Come on, sing it again. Here we go. What's love got to, got to. Look at your neighbor and say, Everything. Look at your other neighbor and say, Everything. You know what blows me away, though, about right now, like in the times we're living in? Even dudes dance to girl songs. I mean, even dudes dance to girls something, but I'm going to tell you something. You ever get a group of girls in a car? Hey, away from their church friends and everybody, and the right song come on, they will go crazy. Listen, I'm not kidding you. I was driving my car. You know, I'm a fella. I got to act hard. I got to act all cool. I don't matter how. I got to keep my cool face on. And I was driving the other day. I don't know what it was. This song came on the radio. And I was... for Jesus is just in a different way. Somebody say amen. What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? But there's like this new little dude. Dude's like 14 years old. He'd be driving a go-kart and he'd be like, he'd be like, say we got to pray because prayer is powerful well y'all know me I come from uh, I come from way down south to be with y'all here in Colorado I come from sweet home Y'all are awesome. What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? But I'm going to warn you, prayer is. Prayer is. And so some of you might know, some of you might not know. Uh, growing up for me, it was kind of hard. Uh, by the second grade, I was kind of diagnosed with this thing called ADD. How many know what I'm talking about? Man, it just ain't getting no better. How many of y'all have heard of ADHD? It's like another, it's just like. So David, I was, I was on, the, on the way here and there was this dude on the airplane. He was sitting there. He was sitting near me. This is a grown man. He's got a suit on and the whole time he was just sitting there like this. And I'm not exaggerating. The dude's legs were going crazy. It was hitting me and stuff. I was like, whoa, man, just hit me. I was like, man, calm down. You know what he had? ADHD. He didn't need to get up. He was, crazy. And I was like, man, I mean, I'm serious. He's just moving his legs real fast. And I just wanted to go, man, stop. 
And because the guy moved his leg so crazy and he wouldn't stop, something happened. I was like, God, are you trying to get my attention? And I'm not going to say that he said yes. But I, it just was kind of reminded me of like growing up, all the years my teachers were like, man, stop. And my mom, you know, by the 10th grade, I'd been through like six different schools and I got expelled in the 10th grade. And my mom came and she had to pick me up from school and I just, I'll never forget it. She picked me up from school, and she, she believed God's word. My mom is my hero. A lot of people got a lot of heroes, man, but my mama, she's like crazy. Jesus freak. Crazy. And I remember as they played that song, I was in a stadium of about 90,000 people, and my mom and dad came to a game, and I'd been in a lot of accidents, been in a lot of trouble, jail, you name it, man. Like, like y'all, desperation, I, I see all these people praying, and I, I'm so moved. I walked in, I saw people all over the yard just praying, and like people were off in their corners just praying. I just want to, like I think the only reason David invites me to this conference, the only reason, because I know a lot of other youth pastors, man, and, and speakers and leaders here in a uh, mission, like you, you would way more be, you'd be a lot better to speak on what I'm going to try to than I would. But I think the only reason David even allows me to come hang out with you is because I'm literally proof, just living proof, that prayer works. That prayer works. You say, what do you mean? Well, my mama prayed for 24 years, 364 days. My dad was an alcoholic for 25 years. He drank from the minute he got off work to the minute he came home. I could smell it when he pulled in the driveway, and I could smell it when he left. People go, man, what was it like not having a father around? I'll tell you what it was like. I was fathered by television. Television taught me everything. I didn't even know where my dad was most of the time. My dad had an alcohol addiction. I'm going to tell you something. You want to hear what love's got to do with it? My dad went to the hospital. The doctor told my dad he had less than 10 years left to live. The alcohol had consumed his insides. He says, man, it would take a miracle for something to save you. My dad went out into his pest control truck. The, the same truck my mama had said that Jesus was real. He was alive. You could call on him. Jeremiah 33, she used to say, you can call on Jesus anywhere, and he'll show up. My dad said, Jesus, if you're real, like if you're as real as she says, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I need you to take this alcohol out of my life. And can I tell you desperation? One prayer, one woman praying, one man praying, can I tell you, 25 years of everyday drinking, my dad, when he called out to Jesus, my dad came and set him free of a 25-year alcohol addiction, and he got saved, and he got delivered, and he got set on fire. Can I tell you, no matter if you're 12, 13, 20, or 90, when you get on fire for God, people will come to watch you burn, and everybody said, and everybody said, I like how D.L. Moody said it. He said, the world is yet to see what God can do with someone who is fully surrendered to him. Matter of fact, I like how the movie Gladiator, I even like how they said, he said, what you do in life echoes in eternity. And so my dad gets radically saved, right? And I remember he gets a phone call in the basement of my house and I'll never forget it. And I walk down into the basement and there's him and my mom. And the doctor had called back home. I'd failed a drug test. And the doctor told my parents, yeah, he's still on drugs told him what drugs I was on. My dad slammed the phone down. And, I mean, it's cool to watch all those videos and all about how the basement's grown, but I wish you were there. Like, it wasn't cool. 
My mom and dad slammed the phone down. Y'all, I'm living proof that, that God's pr prayer just is powerful. I should have died on numerous occasions. The drug overdose, when I had a drug overdose, 90,000 people there. I flatlined right there in the middle of the stadium. They carried me out on a paramedics bus in the middle of 90,000 people. I woke up in the hospital. And I was looking at my mama, and she was sitting there looking at me, and she was praying, and she was saying, no, you can't take my baby. And she was praying, God, for you know the plans you have for him, plans to give him a hope, not to harm him, to give him a future. This is not your plan, and I want my baby back. The truth is, though, God will allow you to be in the dark in order for you to see the light. I'll even take it a step further. Sometimes God allow you to become what you hate in order to hate what you've become. And I remember coming home, and when my dad got that phone call in the basement, he said, it's time to go. And can I tell you desperation? I don't know where you sit tonight. This was just about five and a half, six years ago. It happened to me when I was 20 years old. My dad said, go pack your bags, Matt. I said, I'm crying, my mom and dad's crying. I said, Mom, you said that God loves me and he's got a plan for you. What are you talking about? And she was crying and she was saying, God does have a plan for you. And it was kind of like the prodigal moment. But it was time for me to go. I said, Dad, I don't got nowhere to go. I don't even have no friends anymore. He said, yeah, I know where one of your friends are. You know, I could ask some of you right now. You could show me five of your closest friends and I bet your youth pastor could show you your future. Just let me hang out with two of your best friends. And we could tell you exactly where you're going to wind up in about five years. Better yet, if one of your best friends could stand up at your funeral and jump up and say, three minutes about your life, would they even know if you were a Christian? That's the kind of things we're here to find out. It's not like you've got to be scared. It's just, does your lifestyle, do you say, do you scream, do you, do you live it? If you do, then people will know it, and if people will know it, it'll show it, and if it shows that I'm telling you, you get on fire, and people will come to watch you burn. Why? Because prayer is, prayer is, and so right there in that basement, I had to make a decision. I was homeless. I had to make a decision. Do I want to be homeless for the rest of my life? I'm 20 years old. My best friend was living underneath the same bridge I was about to go to, and I don't know what it was, but I'll tell you this, I've come to find out through scripture, it's an insult to God to think that your mistakes or your sin is greater than his mercy, and everybody said, you want to know why? What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? And in that basement, me and my mom and dad, I don't know what happened, but we just knelt down, and I don't even know how to tell you what happened, I just know God became real. Like, I'd, I'd been to church my whole, I grew up in church. But I didn't know he was real. I didn't know Jesus died on the cross, not for religion, but for relationship. I didn't know that. I didn't know he really was interested in me. I didn't know he knew every single hair on my body and on my head. I didn't know he knew the color of my eyes. I didn't know in Jeremiah that he knew me before my mama ever knew my name. I didn't know. If I'd have known he was, it was it's kind of like a crazy love. It's so crazy I can't communicate how powerful this love is. But I'll tell you this, I brought a few pictures I don't get to show around the country, but I brought it for you. In the original basement, if you have picture number one, here's me and just a few guys. The blonde-headed boy in the corner, his name's Bird. He walked in that night. He was an Oxycontin addict. He was playing college basketball. 
won two state championship rings, off to his next destination. There we are in the basement. That's the original picture. There we are in the basement of my house, a few drug addicts. Some people never done drugs. Some people just lived for God but didn't have any passion for prayer, for worship, or the things of God. And we just believed in that basement. I was asking, who will stand? I was lifting my hand saying, who will stand with me? Who will, who will pray with me? Who will worship? Can we shake this city? You know, it's funny. The Bible, wish I had time to get into it, but it talks about Jesus said, keep your hand to the plow. Don't look back. Just keep it to the plow. And we, we had this idea, you know, in, in Jewish days, you might go, what are you talking about, Matt? Well, the plow... They, they would have to plow through ground, but they would look off into the distance and they would see something like some of you probably seen before yourself being a missionary or a, a pastor, an evangelist, a teacher, a, a fireman, a policeman. I don't know, but you would look off into the distance and you would see something. Well, in their day, they would have to look off to some tree way into the distance. And the reason he would say don't look back is because if you did, you would get off path. And if you got off path, you would not make a straight line. If you didn't make a straight line, you wouldn't create ground intended to harvest. And so he would talk to his disciples and tell them things like, man, trust me, just stay with me, it's going to be worth it. And in the beginning of that basement, we used to talk and we used to be like, man, I think we could win souls. I think we could, I think we could make a difference for God. Now everybody looked at us and I just had a drug overdose and Bird, the guy that's here with me tonight, my DJ, the blonde-headed guy, he had, he's just walking in from drugs. I could go through all these different people and you'd go, God, you see? That video you saw earlier, here's some of the guys who started it. <laughs> we started praying and worshiping, and we believed that it was, it was real. We just started praying, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a loud prayer. I'm kind of a quiet prayer. Like Jesus said, man, pray and quiet. I, I just, I kind of get, get shaken up, and I pray, and I get excited by myself. But man, something happened, and it went from that basement to another basement. We started worshiping at this church, and guys and girls began to come, and they just wanted something real. And prayer and worship, it was happening. God's word was igniting our hearts. And people began realizing that Jesus loved them. And he valued them. And it went from that church, we still call it the basement, to another place. And there's that little blonde-headed guy I was telling you about here tonight. My DJ up there on the front, he, he got saved in that basement radically. And every time it moved, he stayed up front. And he was worshiping. He was praying. It was so beautiful. A minute ago, I was standing in the back, and I was watching from the front to the back. All these people just worshiping and praying, and everybody was so excited, just loving on God. It was beautiful. People began telling us, I remember right here this night, the fire marshal showed up, and they said, hey, we're going to have to shut this down because, I mean, people are always going to try to shut down anything God does. And I was in Israel at the time. I was on a study. I've been there four times. I was studying every move Jesus made, everywhere he walked. I was watching everything. And they called me, and they said, man, we're going to have to shut the basement down. I said, no. Jesus wants us to win the city. He commissioned my heart. If we pray, if we worship, if we know his word, if we lift him up, he'll draw all men unto him. Well, there was this building in our city. And I said, they said, well, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. We just need to move it. And we kept our hands to the plow, and we'd been focused, and we'd been praying. We'd been, I'll even say this. You know, the first thing that happened for me and many of these guys is we had to sacrifice, like, relationships. We had to sacrifice all of our friends. The very first thing I did when I got saved is all my friends called me and said, man, it's going to burn out. You're not going to be on fire. You're not going to really love this God for real. Every one of my friends left. Every one of my friends that I thought was a friend left. 
those guys began to lay down everything and they said, man, prayer, worship, God, you being known is all I'm going to live for. And then they called me and I said, you know what, let's move it. Let's move it to the big, one of the biggest buildings in the state. I just, let's do it. Who cares? And we did. Amen. Thank you. God bless you, Jesus. And you know what I get excited about when God looks at things like that? You know what he sees? He don't see the people on the stage. He sees the harvest that people plowed the ground. Somebody was praying. Somebody was worshiping. Somebody was knowing his word. Somebody was making him known. Somebody was spending quality time. Somebody was giving up. Somebody was wrapping cords. Somebody was putting the speakers out. Somebody was turning the lights on. Somebody was getting ready for what? For God to move. You want to know why? Because prayer is and when God would look down, he would look at these buildings we would move this thing to. you got to think, three or four guys in a basement. We were just worshiping, praying. And God was going, oh, no, I want to win people. I want to win souls. And that's what I'm going to do. I could keep the pictures going, and now we travel it around the country, and we're in a new location now. We go almost to every city across the country telling people Jesus is radically in love with them. He's crazy about them. I don't know how else to say it. We moved it to this next location, and we just keep praying and worshiping, and God continues to move it. I just came here tonight to tell somebody, I'm going to warn you, prayer is so powerful. It's so But this is the problem. I was on the plane right here, and I was thinking, you know, it's hard for me to communicate like what it is because growing up, I, 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 sometimes I had to sit in learning disability classrooms. I couldn't take tests right. I couldn't, I, I, I could never be on time. I wasn't smart like everybody else, and, and I, I, I needed visuals. Like Jesus was awesome at giving visuals, and, and he could explain things. And I just want to tell you tonight, prayer, like if you don't know, prayer just automatically. It just connects you to the source. Like you say, what do you mean, Matt? Well, the Bible says that everything was created by God for God. Everything. So much as humans, like, like if I took this extension cord right now, many of you know that if I, if I took this and I plugged this in correctly, that all these lights would just, it would come on. Or if I unplugged it, the lights would come off. And many of you, you definitely know, you're smart enough to know this, that, like, just think how powerful this is, prayer. Like, like, a fish, a goldfish. If I took a goldfish right now, and I took it out of its little fish tank bowl, and I was just playing with it with a net, and I took it out, and I put it on the ground, and I just said, watch. 30 minutes go by, maybe not even that long, 15 minutes. If it was not in its life source, it would die. Like, I could go outside right now, and I could pull up all the beautiful shrubbery and the grass. I could pull it out of its life source. It, it, it gains nutrients and water, and it gains all these things to stay alive. But it was created by God and for God, and even grass understands it's got to have what it's got to have. But if I pulled it out and I let the sun just dry it out, it would die. I love people, they go, man, you ever seen a killer whale or a shark or they roam around in the deep oceans and they swim around and here lately we've seen on the news what happens when they come up on the shore 
this massive giant whale who owns all of the ocean. Once it's on top of the shore and the sand and it can't get back to its life source and it's stuck. You've seen it and it's standing there and it can't get back to its life source. What happens? It dies. I'm not simply saying that you'll die because of prayer. I'm just trying to get you to understand that prayer, it automatically connects you to whatever God's got in store for you. Some people go, what is prayer? Prayer is just already speaking what God's already said. Prayer is a life source that says, I believe it even if my friends don't believe it. I believe it even if people don't understand me. And I'm just going to connect. So much so, not only do I want to be alive. I mean, what is it to be a Christian if you don't experience how awesome God you know, I don't want to mess some of y'all up, and since I'm here and I'm leaving, I can go ahead and say it. I, I don't mean to mess you up, but every disciple is a Christian, that's for sure. But not every Christian is a disciple. There's something different about a disciple, somebody who loves God. They pray, they worship, there's just something different. I'm not saying they have to pray loud, I'm not saying after they pray quiet, I'm just saying there's something different. You say, what do you mean? Well, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it loud, and I'm going to say it proud. Some of you might get mad, but I'm just going to say it anyways. Jesus came to save the world. He saved the thief on the cross. <laughs> he would have to gasp to come up, and he said, will you remember me in your kingdom, Jesus? <laughs> this guy had no time to follow Christ, not an inch, not a mile, not a second. He couldn't even lift his hand to say a prayer because it was nailed to a cross. And Jesus looked over and said, today you will be with me in paradise. You want to know why? Because Jesus comes to save those who call, those who believe, and those who ask and receive. The Bible says that he would have it that none should perish. But I also want to tell you, Jesus ain't just Savior. He's Master. He's King. And when he's Master, yeah, he'll call you. And when he calls you, it ain't just can we get to heaven together. It's what can we do on earth to make an impact before our king comes back. What can we do before Matthew 24, 14 says, once the gospel has been preached, then the end shall come. You know what I get excited about here at Desperation? Give me a little slack here, man. Give me a rope cord or something. I'm sitting in a room with people who have been called. I'm sitting in a room with people who believe, man, no matter how bad my mistake or my mess or whatever God, whatever I've been through, man, I have been called by Almighty God to live on this earth in one of the greatest times and moments in history, and I'm going to stand, and I'm going to know him, and I'm going to make him known. Why? What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? And prayer is so. You just can't imagine what God can do with your prayer. I had a kid one ask, once ask me, does it matter how bad you are? Like, it, would Jesus save anybody? I said, you can't imagine. There's nothing you can do that can separate you from his love. He'll come right to you. Like the kid in the, <laughs> reminds me, people go, what is prayer like to God? Well, this is what I think it's kind of like. It's like the kid who was in the kitchen and he wanted to do something good for his daddy. And so he went to the kitchen and <laughs> he knew his dad liked milk and cookies and he, 
He went up and instead, he was a little bitty fellow. Instead of getting the top of the milk, he, he thought the shelves were ladders. And so he climbed up on top of the shelves. And when he got to the shelves, they broke. And he grabbed the milk and <laughs> the milk just splattered all over the place. But he had a little bit left and he set it down. And he went up to get a plate so that he could put the cookies on it. And yeah, you can already imagine as he climbed up and instead of grabbing the top plate, he... He grabbed the bottom plate, and when he pulled the bottom plate of the glass out, all the plates went. Finally, he climbed up on top of. Before his daddy began hearing all this, he climbed up on top of the counter, and there was the cookie jar. And he climbed up, and as he reached in, he was still too little to get the cookie. And when he grabbed the cookie, even the glass jar. Now, i got to ask you something. I know it made a lot of noise. I know it probably looked pretty messy. Probably looked like a disaster. But when the dad walked in, do you think he was concerned about all the noise? Do you think he was concerned about all the mess and the disaster? No, when he stood there, he saw this little bitty boy holding up something, saying, I just... Can I tell you, when God looks at you, he looks past the mess, the mistake. When he hears you crying out, man, I almost see him and Jesus in there. They're taking it going, look at him. Look at what they're praying. They believe that what I said I still can do, and I'll do it if they'll only connect. Prayer is more than a symbol. It's more than a noise. Prayer is believing in the unbelief. I like how they said it. Uh, Jesus uh, said it in such a way, and the Bible described it. I love it when he told the disciples, blessed are you, blessed are they who believe and don't see. Prayer is just an indicator that you're saying, I know you're there. Even though I don't feel like it, even though I don't understand, I know you're there. And it might make some noise. And it might take you a while of getting that motor crank, but somehow you're going to connect. And when you connect, you'll know it. Things will happen. Why? Because prayer is so powerful that I like how Paul said it, for I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got to talk, you've got to think about this. These guys were so connected to the source. Jesus, and I could tell you stories, but here's one right out of Luke itself. Some people believe Jesus had it always going on. No, not in this chapter. Jesus was trying to get the guys, come on, connect with me, man. Pray, stay up, connect, 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 connect. And the Bible actually says that he said, because he actually prayed to God, let this cup of suffering pass from me. And then right after he said, no, 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 not thy will be done, but yours. And people have always wondered, what, what cup of suffering is he talking about? Can I tell you sometimes it'll cost you? It'll cost you? It'll cost you to see the best that God has? You can believe in Jesus, and I'm telling you, man, heaven awaits you, but man, it'll cost you. And if you give your life to not only knowing Christ, but to making him known, it'd be the greatest decision you ever made. I wish I'd have been there when Jesus said, stay up awake, stay and pray with me, lead. It's going to help you, Peter, James, and John, stay up. Thomas, stay up. Pray with me. Since they all fell asleep, everybody got tired. They didn't want to.
connect. Even Jesus himself was, I mean, he was God, but he was connecting with God, the source. Why? What kind of suffering are you talking about? Maybe he was worried about the praetorium and says a Roman garrison, that's 500 Roman soldiers, gathered around him, would have. One of them would have held a whip. He'd have been from the age of 22 to 50 years old. Jews didn't beat Jesus. The Romans did. If Jews would have beat him, it wouldn't have been so bad because all they did was take the whip. They dipped it in goat's blood. It would stick to the body like a glue, they believed, ripped the flesh off. That's why Isaiah in the Old Testament wrote, you wouldn't recognize him. He didn't look like a human being. Or the other would happen, the bacteria from the goat's blood would seep into the body and it would kill the person instantly. But the Romans didn't have a rule. They could hit somebody as long as they want, however they want, and they could just abuse them and bruise them. Here comes this guy claiming not only to be king, it's like to be Caesar. He's standing in the middle of a praetorium. Where's all of his friends? Maybe that was the cup. What was the suffering? Maybe here it is. People only talk about the cross, but they never get us there. He's standing in a praetorium and they're lashing on top of his body, ripping skin from his flesh. Insides would hang. So people see Jesus with this white sash on and this beautiful blonde hair and this purple logo that made him look like a beauty pageant. That wasn't the king that I knew. It wasn't the champion the New Testament writes about. A man who could stand and hold a beating like this is king of all kings. He's the alpha and he's the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's the rose of Sharon, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Nisi. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus has walked on water. He's fed up to 5,000, even 15,000 people. He's healed the sick and he's helped and done so many miracles. But the greatest miracle of all, the Bible says, is salvation. The greatest miracle Jesus is about to perform. They can't even stay asleep. They can't even stay awake. Pray with me. Jesus asked him. It actually says in Luke that he begins sweating drops of blood. Why? Why? The beating. Maybe it wasn't the beating, you know. Some people go, oh, down the Via Della Rosa. It's a beautiful song, and it moves me, but it's more than just a Via Della Rosa. I've walked this thing four times, and every time I've cried, not because I was moved by emotion, I was moved because in his day, it was more like the highway of humiliation. It was a public highway right in the heart of Jerusalem, and it's a pretty movie they paint when they show the big cross, and I don't want to mess you up, but the stake would have already been at Golgotha and Skull Hill. It was there. It was more like a tuba for like a railroad tie, like a railroad tie that would take, it would be heavy. 
And this highway of humiliation, man, people would just sit on it and they would stand there. And when people would have to be crucified, they knew they were either a murderer or a thief or who knows what they've done. They've definitely broken the commandments. They've definitely embarrassed their family. They've done something crazy. Here's this innocent king. I don't mean to mess you up if you think it's the Via del Rosa. It is, but it's more. Carrying this stake. Where is all his friends? Where is everybody? Where are the crowds? Why is everybody making fun of him? He's just been beaten. He's wearing a crown of thorns. They put it down on his head. They said, oh, hell, king of the Jews, and rolled a purple robe upon him. And he's carrying a cross. Humiliation. I don't know if you've ever been embarrassed before. I don't know what it's like for you to walk in your high school and say Jesus is king. But I can imagine that walk. I bet you know. I bet you know. I don't know what it's like if God's called you to some campus or some work or some place to be a prayer warrior or worship warrior or just to show the love in his word. But that walk, yeah. It can, it can cost you. But then he makes it to the cross. given one of the greatest, I say, sermons of all time. You can't say all of it. You've got to read it yourself, but shh, pieces of it. How he's even made it there, I don't know, because in the Roman tradition, they called a beating, a scourging, the halfway death. You weren't supposed to make it to that cross. Not if a Roman soldier whipped you and beat you and killed many people, historians write. But he makes it to the cross so that when this blood is shed, this blood isn't just shed for the good. The Bible clearly states that Jesus loves those who hate him. Matter of fact, one drop from the blood of his elbow, I hate to mess some of you up, but it would, it would cover people you would never think it would cover you. One drop of the blood from Jesus' elbow is so powerful. The blood alone on this cross, you don't understand by his stripes we are healed, and there he was. And he said, still... The crowd's chanting, crucify him, and they're there mocking him, and he's done nothing but good. Father, forgive them, and I thirst, and he went on to say it is finished. In the Greek, you know, it is finished comes from the word tadalista, which means paid in full. Then lastly, he said, Father, still to the very end, it was all about whatever God wanted. Father, now I commit my hands. Here comes a prayer session into your spirit. Father, I commit my spirit into your hands. And he plugs. Desperation, I'm coming to tell you. I've warned you, prayer is powerful. On the flight over here, it was so strong in my heart that somebody was so ready to give up on God, I can't even express it to you. So strong that I had to deter the plan and the message that I already had. On the flight last night, my heart was pounding with some kind of crazy urge, Matt. Even though you don't understand, somebody is this close. This close. It could have been like Peter. He denied him three times. I was at that spot where Peter denied him, and he felt like a failure. 
You could just be going, man, I really want to get right with God, and I don't even know how. I'm telling you, prayer is powerful. Or you could be ready to do something big. It could be your moment. And God's going, oh, it might take a beating out of you. It might take the walk of humility. But once you get there for the next 2,000 years, stories were made. This one story alone, heaven has been made a bigger place because of what he did. And I'm reminded of the kid right outside of school. This kid was on top of him, and he was beating him. He was getting a knock. He got another one, and he just began getting beat. And all the kids began gathering around. True story. And this kid was on top of him, and he was just beating him. The kid was blood pouring out. I hate to be graphic. True story, sixth grader. And he was down on the ground. And as he was being beaten and this other kid was just on top of him, this kid ran down and he said to the kid, do you want me to help you? I don't know where you are tonight. Mensum, you got to get your second win back. Prayer is powerful. The kid looked up with blood pouring out of his mouth. He didn't even intend to be beat up that day. And he looked back at the kid and he said, no, you back up. Because once I catch my second wind, I'm going to light his head up. Can I tell you the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when he hits, it hurts. And when he steals, it hurts. And when he comes to destroy, it might hurt. But I want to tell you, if you catch your second wind and you get your prayer back up and you get on top, you don't have no, have no clue what God has in store for you. You say, how do you know that, Matt? Because James says prayer is powerful. And I'm going to end on this note. Prayer is so powerful. I watched my mama do it for 25 years every day. It's a miracle God even lets me stand on the stage. People ask me all the time, what are you, man, evangelist? Uh, I don't know. I started spraying bugs. I'll probably finish spraying bugs. What are you, like a pastor? I have no, I have no idea. Are you a teacher? No, not at all. Those guys have studied, man. They're brilliant. I'm a witness. Acts 1.8 says, go. Jesus commissions all of us, man. The whosoever's, don't matter who you are. Go. And you shall be my witness in Jerusalem at home, to Judea, maybe around your nation, and to the ends of the world. So much so that recently I had a kid come up to me after I was done preaching. I'm sorry, a mom. She handed me this kid's Bible. She said, I want you to have this. And I said, okay, thank you. I get stories all the time, but she said, you don't understand. She started crying as I left. She said, my son. She told me the city he was living in. She said he moved across the world and he was watching y'all on TV one night and he was so moved to pray and he received the Lord. And she was, he was so moved to pray that he believed the impossible could happen. And he started winning friends and different people and all of a sudden he began to, he just believed that it was time for him to go. And he goes into this city, drug city, infestation. I'm not gonna name the country due to them taping right now. He goes in this city. and They're winning people. They're doing everything they can. And it gets so intense that finally these drug lords come to their door and two of the guys are inside and they bust down the door. They put guns on the people and 
They're asking them for their money. They're asking them why they're there, and they're sitting there holding right there, and the guy runs into the room live. He's my age, runs into the room, and he says, what? No greater love than this. What are you doing? We just come to, to tell you how awesome God's love is in the drug dealer. They, get, uh, they got so scared. The drug dealers left and the two that stayed behind were spared. greater love than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. What could make somebody give their very own life? I would just say prayer is powerful. So powerful. Peter, crucified upside down, hanging there still preaching the gospel. I dare not be crucified like that Christ. And they turn him upside down. Historians write about it. You ought to read it. Thomas played with a whip. Why? Because he knew his source. He was connected. James thrown off a 100-foot pinnacle, beaten to death. John, in a Roman Colosseum, 50,000 people, they bowl him and he's preaching the gospel. As he comes out alive, historians don't even know what to say. They had to put him on an aisle called Patmos so he could write a book called Revelation because they could not shut him up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when you're on fire, people will come and watch you burn. You say, Matt, what are you trying to say? I come to say nothing more powerful than knowing Christ. I can't wait to see you in heaven. But one day when we get there, it's going to be crazy to see what happened with the people that connected to the source, that prayed, they worshiped, they believed God for everything that he said in his word. Man, the stories, when I push play, it's going to be crazy. I call it movies in heaven. You're like, there ain't no movies in heaven. I don't care. I just love it. It's going to be awesome to see people when they walk up to you like Job and he goes, man, what's it like? I prophesied about you, your generation. When Paul and everybody walks up to you because they're not here, God didn't save Moses for this hour. God didn't save Esther for this hour. He didn't save Jonah for this hour. He didn't save Paul for this hour. He didn't save John or Peter for this hour. He saved you. Why? Because this might be one of the most radical generations that has ever lived. They've seen it all. They've done it all. They've tried it all. They know it all. But what? Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. David, I thank you for allowing me to come and just be the proof of that. That's all the proof that prayer can work. It can. But I wish my mom was here. I really do because if she was not so shy, I watched her pray for 24 years I watched her believe in God so much. I had a guy recently come up from a service, and he said to me, and I'm going to close with this. He said, he was crying, an older black gentleman. He said, how did you know? How did you know? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, that night, 
He was crying right after the service. How did you know to get out of the car? And it hit me right there, man, my whole life. Some people don't know, man. They don't believe this stuff is real. But my mom had a connection to God. When they prayed, they talked. Was in a car driving down to a bad part of town. I grew up in a lot of gang-infested areas, and I thought I was one. And I grew up, and I was in a car headed to this night spot. And I was with two guys, and I didn't know what they were up to, but they were like, sit in the car. It was like some kind of initiation or something. I don't know. And in the back of the car, my phone rang out of nowhere. My mama always called me. I bet your mama's done this too. I don't mean to laugh because I love her so much, but she would always call me. It never failed. And she'd say, man, I'd say, yes, mom. She'd say, I've got a bad feeling in my spirit. Bad feeling in my spirit. And you know what you always think? Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And so I got out of the car. I told my friends I'd catch up with you later. They said, why are you get out of the car? I said, I don't know, man. I just got to. My mom would call me all the time. The guy comes up to me years later, grown man. He's just crying. He said, how did you know? I said, what are you talking about? I couldn't even recognize him barely. He said, man, had you been in the car that night, somebody called you and told you to get out of the car. We pulled up to a place. We got out. We shot two guys. My brother's in prison for life, and I just got out. He said, had you been in that car, man, there would have never been any of this happen. How did you know? And I said, prayer is powerful. I don't know how some of your youth pastors know what they know. I don't know how your mom and dad know what they know. I don't know how what's going to happen when you finally connect into the source. Because all those years my mom prayed, her DNA got on me. And I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing like a praying mama. Proverbs 31 says, A woman who greatly fears the Lord shall greatly be praised. It rubbed off on me, man. I began praying. I began believing God for the impossible. Can't tell you how many nights she got me out of situations, whether it was jail or just wrecks. I've had seven bad car wrecks, total cars. God looking down on your life, what is he getting you ready for? To end this, there's no better way I can do it than just to show you a picture of my mama. When she prayed for 24 years, something happened. My dad was delivered. I was set free from a seven-year drug addiction. My sister was sexually abused, lost her hair, full men of pressure. And it happened. Right here.
He'll find somebody. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord look to and fro to find someone to show himself strong on their behalf. This is what I come to tell you tonight. I warned you earlier that prayer is powerful. So powerful in the Old Testament. The altar was a place of sacrifice. Something had to die. People don't like to hear it, but sometimes popularity has to die. Sometimes friends, man, in your life, they just got to go. Sometimes even relationships that hold you back and don't push you forward, they just have to go. Some people, like Paul, they might have been a murderer, but they turn out in the right two-thirds of the New Testament. Why? Because they were unashamed. I don't know your story tonight, but I came to tell you prayer is And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. 